Welcome to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. In this episode, we talk with four college students, either from or attending school in the Bay Area. All of them are taking classes right now online. The COVID-19 pandemic has prompted the majority of schools across the country to move classes online, both K-12 and higher ed. The goal is to prevent the spread of COVID-19, especially in colleges, where students may come to the college from another community and then return to their home community for the holidays or other visits, risking the spread of viral infection. But online learning has taken its toll on many students, instructors, and families. Many students report feeling depressed, isolated, anxious, overwhelmed, detached, or unable to focus. Some students have taken a break from their studies, and others are struggling to keep up with what feels like an increased workload and decreased engagement in their classes. Joining me in this episode to talk about their experiences with online learning are college students, Sarah Glasser, a junior at Santa Clara University, majoring in sociology with a minor in ethnic studies, Aisha Glenn, a San Francisco resident who's now a junior at McGill University in Canada, majoring in labor relations with a double minor in sociology and health geography, Emma Malloy, currently studying communications at Santa Rosa Junior College, but considering changing her major to journalism. She's currently a staff writer for the SRJC Oakleaf newspaper. And Nick Vitas, majoring in journalism and political science at Santa Rosa JC, and currently editor-in-chief of the Oakleaf. What has it been like? to engage in school in the context that we're currently engaging in. And you can also talk a little bit about what your school is doing. Go for it, Sarah. I think in the beginning, it was really frustrating just because no one had any idea of what the quarter or semester was going to look like. But then once fall started, we kind of had an idea of what it was going to look like based off of the quarter or semester before. Um, so then I got into a rhythm and now it's been fine. But in the beginning, it was really confusing and just kind of hectic. Emma, how about you? What's your experience been like? It's kind of been a roller coaster. I think that the school has been handling it pretty well. Um, I think students are, we're all kind of in this together. So that's helpful. But it has been definitely a shift, definitely a change from before. Nick, how about you? It's definitely been challenging. I mean, um, I learn better when I'm with other people and I'm in a classroom environment I feel like I can't learn in my room like this is where I'm supposed to be like at my most comfortable not where I'm supposed to be learning so it's really hard to disassociate my room from a classroom now it's it's um it's definitely been rough the college president Dr. Chong has done a lot to help us I think and I think it's really good that he um, is making online classing until the end of spring 2021. However, I'm not a very good online learner. So it's a really big curve. Yeah. And you're not alone. And there are studies to show that our sleeping space should be our sleeping space. And when we make it other things, that can be really problematic. So you bring up a really excellent point. Aisha, what's your experience been like? Um, now you're in Canada. So I'm curious about, first of all, your experience, but also how uh, McGill is approaching this. Similar to what Nick just said, I'm also really not a good online learner. I think it's a lot harder than I thought it would be. So my, obviously, my last semester before the summer also ended online. Um, and McGill was pretty late on that because Canada was a lot less affected early on. 
But in May, the administration decided that um, our first semester was going to be online. And they just decided a few weeks ago that the spring is going to be online as well. Um, and since McGill is so big, it was a pretty like easy decision. And I think it's good they made it so early since so many students live all around the world. And it's really hard for people to come back, especially if they don't know in advance flights and everything. And it was really hard for me to decide to come back, actually. Um, and I'm going home a lot earlier than I was going to and Canada has recently been spiking a lot but in terms of what McGill has been doing they haven't really been doing anything because no one lives on campus at McGill so it's a pretty separate experience right now honestly and no one no case transmission is happening on campus because no one goes to campus so they haven't been super involved in that um, but it's definitely still been a shift and they they try to keep involved, even though they're not doing anything as administration. And you bring up a point that I want to kind of dive into is the idea of building community. Uh, because, of course, you want to be with the people that you're going to school with. And we meet people in classes and we meet people in dorms and, and we meet people, uh, you know, on campus. And so I'm wondering, what's it been like? How has your school or your instructors tried to build community? Has anything worked or not? I think it's been not only a curve for us students but for the, the the teachers as as well and it's not just college it's you know it's high school middle school i mean my brother for example he's just across the hallway here he's he's struggling really hard to like make that connection with his teacher and for me too i'm having a very hard time trying to actually like how would i put it just yeah just connect with people you know i I I thrive off of other you know other people's energy and that helps me learn because I you know I'm talking with people I'm bouncing ideas off of each other. If I want to bounce an idea off someone, I have to now get on a Zoom call and like prepare it all ahead of time. And it's it's different. It's not definitely not the same. I think the connection between the student and the teacher is much different and it's not as strong. As what it would be if it was in person. Yeah. And I would say as an instructor, I feel that too. Like I do my best to have one-on-ones and to meet people, but, but that, that in-person sense of, oh, that person in the class, I want to make sure I connect with that person or, oh, I see body language that's going to help me, you know, respond a certain way. I don't necessarily get that or I'm not able to use that kind of perception in this space. Um, so trying to figure out other ways to make sure people, uh, are connected with and get what they need is, is you're right. It's absolutely a challenge. Um, anybody else about um, instructors or the school trying to build community or not, what's working or not, what you'd like to see? Sarah. I just want to say, I think clubs and different extracurriculars have done, at least in my school, a very good job of transitioning onto Zoom. I'm part of a few different organizations on campus and they've all created really easy to follow along schedules where it's like, like we have a meeting this week and another meeting this next week. And even though it's not the same, they've worked hard to adjust. Um, and I think that's a big thing, just making sure that everyone's communicating with each other to find a schedule that works for everyone. And it's it's not as fun and it's not as easy to meet new people online. But I think that the effort that everyone's putting in has made it a lot easier to transition. Also, I recently transferred to Santa Clara too. So I'm still in the making friends process. And I used to be able to just walk into the sociology department, which is super small. There's like five professors and just talk to my advisor and get to know her. And now I don't really have that opportunity, which has been kind of challenging because I want to get to know my advisor and meet other sociology students. But I've only been able to do that through mutual friends now. So I'll just text a friend and say, hey, we have a sociology 
uh, test coming up. Do you know any other friends that we can create a Zoom chat for? And last night, I actually had a midterm. Um, and I connected with two other girls, one who I didn't really know. And we all like studied beforehand. And that was nice to have people um, that I hadn't met before, but you always have to have a mutual friend or else it's kind of hard to meet new people in your major. Yeah, that spontaneity is definitely gone. And you make a good point. Finding a club or uh, some connective tissue on campus can be can be helpful to mitigate this, even though it's not exactly the same. Um, Emma? It's much more difficult to reach out to professors right now. Some students that I've been talking to just feel less like like they have less of a space for that you know like we're not in the classroom in the same way and the video calls you know it's just kind of hard for everyone to be able to like speak and reach out to their professors when they need help this one girl in one of my classes like she she's been texting me for help and like we'll both be confused and she's like i feel like i can't reach out to my professor because it's it's just it's so different like you have to set up a meeting and it's yeah i mean they do have office hours and that is helpful but it's kind of different, you know, and like there's other people from other classes that are here and this computer screen and it's it's just such a different world now. Yeah, it really is. And it's um, the one thing we can say is that we're all experiencing this together, that it's not like I could go somewhere else and get a different experience in most senses. But figuring it out, now we have this 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 challenge and this opportunity to figure it out. And that is something important to consider. I appreciate that. Uh, Aisha, would you like to... Similar to what uh, Sarah said, is yeah, the kind of club engagement I thought would be a lot lower this year. And I thought people would be a lot less willing or just kind of less able and less inspired, I guess, to join clubs and be in student orgs and things like that. But the opposite has definitely been happening at McGill. I think probably because people are stuck at home, we're in pretty like strict lockdown right now here. We're going in the opposite direction of the Bay Area. And people definitely are spending a lot of time at home. I think that means that they have more time to get involved in things which I think is cool but in terms of professors one thing that I've been noticing a lot is there's this really steep learning curve with technology I know like a lot of my professors just like have a lot of trouble with zoom and things like that which makes sense because most people haven't really had to use it before and you know they have all these classes to do and all these things to grade it's like no one really takes into account the idea that you have to learn all of that whereas I think like for our generation I know for me personally I used Zoom in a like high school class like five years ago or something. But yeah, it definitely makes things a little more challenging and people don't really reach out as much. And like my professor just emailed me about his office hours doesn't work. And I, like, I don't know. I think it makes people a lot more hesitant to engage with the academic side. That's a really good point. The, the technology and the curve. And I'm noticing that too. Like I, I have taught classes remotely. I think, Emma, you took one of my classes remotely. And certainly I have a learning curve, but it's a little bit smaller than, than some of my colleagues who know how to teach in front of you, but this new, this new tech. And that is, it's an added burden for all of us. So you're all doing, it's a challenge. You're, you're slogging through it. What would you, what do you really want? Um, and I'm going to start with, for, from your instructor, what do you wish you could get from instructors that you're not getting? And certainly I understand that we're all in this together. Everybody's doing their best, but what, 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 what would you like to see that you think would help you in your learning process or in your engagement with campus? Sarah? Just more flexibility with the screen on screen off. Um, I remember at the beginning of this when Corona became first became a thing and everyone was really overwhelmed by it. An article came out um, by this professor at Stanford, Jeremy Balenson, and he talked about the stress that staring at a screen puts on students. 
And I just remember reading that and thinking, I definitely feel that I go to bed either with a headache or just feeling like my eyes are going to close on me. Um, I think staring at a screen, I understand that the professor wants us to be engaged. And as a professor, I can't imagine how hard it is to not have students be paying attention, but I wish that professors were more understanding of the reasons that I have my screen off. And personally, I know I'm someone who gets distracted very easily, but when I'm able to take a class on my phone and put it in my pocket, if my professor is just lecturing um, and just go on a walk with it, I'm able to stay more focused. Um, I think everyone has a very different learning style. And when professors are able to recognize that and accommodate to that, um, it's very helpful. And I know that's kind of a big request to have my professor be okay with me going on a walking class and having my screen off. But I just know that as someone who can't stare at a screen for that long, uh, that that would be a really nice option to have. It is important to think outside the box at this point. Zoom fatigue is real as we're all experiencing. Um, it is hard as a professor. Um, well, let's put it this way. I think we need to find the balance between policing and uh, accommodating and teaching, right? And and I think many professors, including myself, have sort of erred on the side of no policing because you're all, you chose to go to college. You chose to be here. It's your your choice, whether you know how you want to engage. Um, but then there's also a concern about, oh no, if I, if I don't have them right here in class with me, how are they, you know, are they getting the materials? And so that is a struggle. But thinking in new ways about how people are consuming content is important. Aisha, uh, what, what would you like to see from your instructors? In terms of at McGill specifically, since classes are so big and a lot of people are in really different time zones, Professors have been really accommodating about that. Like people are in our 15, 16, 17, 18 hours ahead and obviously sometimes can't go to class. Um, so I think in terms of that, professors have been more accommodating than I expected. Um, but I think consistently across all my classes, I've had a lot more work than usual. And it's not just that I'm taking like harder classes. It's just that I think professors, at least mine this semester, think that everyone I don't know has more time or something or like the online format I don't know what it is but every single person I've talked to at McGill has way more work than usual and like way more assignments and papers and quizzes and tests and all and even like more lectures a week than usual and I think I don't know I know my professors are running a little crazy with that and so I think that's definitely overwhelming um because they're all doing it which like if one of them was doing it, that would, I mean, what are you going to do about that? But when they all do it, it's kind of intense and it really stresses everyone I know out. One thing I noticed is you want to have that great classroom discussion, right? But if you're not meeting or if you're not meeting as often, then what a lot of professors do, and I've done this myself and I've tried to curtail it, is you put a discussion post up, right? Like go to Canvas or go to Blackboard or whatever and answer this. But then it, that just becomes another assignment, not the freewheeling discussion you have in that classroom moment. The psychology of that being, oh God, it's just one more thing to do is, is something that I've tried to think about. That's a great point. Yeah, we need to think about how to balance the workload and include Zoom and asynchronous inside the workload. Uh, context. So Nick, how about you? I think you really hit hit the head on this is that we're, we're, we are experiencing a Zoom fatigue and here in the North Bay, we're experiencing more than Zoom fatigue. We're experiencing crisis fatigue. We're tired. It's really hard to like, I, I think it's immensely hard to get the motivation to just even turn on this this laptop and sit here with, you know, a class when I have so many other things going on in my mind. And 
I feel like when I'm actually in a classroom, like I actually have to get in my car, I drive to Santa Rosa, I sit down, I can forget about everything else and just learn. When I'm doing this, even right now, I'm thinking of like 20 other things in my mind that I have to do today. And it's, it's really, really hard. You're listening to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. We're talking about remote online learning with college students Nick Vitas and Emma Malloy of Santa Rosa JC, Aisha Glenn, San Francisco resident currently studying at McGill University in Canada, and Sarah Glasser at Santa Clara University. Just to kind of branch off of what, what Sarah said too, is that I don't like having my screen on. I really don't like having my screen on at, at all. It's not, I mean, it's not that I want to hide my room or anything. It's just that I want to be able to like either like exercise or like take some notes or just like do, you know, just be able to listen or, you know, go out on a walk or something and like calm myself. And I'm in a, you know, I'm not in a normal learning environment anyway. I might as well do something to try and change it up. And a lot of professors, at least that I've interacted with, want to see you. They want that human connection. This is not a human connection, so I don't understand that. Thank you for bringing that up. You know, I want to talk about your first point first, the crisis fatigue. You're absolutely right. In the North Bay, in the Bay Area, in California, and the whole West Coast are fires or have been fires, massive fires, evacuations. So learning in a context where I have to be thinking about the evacuations that may be coming my way. And if it's not evacuations, there's there's lots of smoke in the air. And even I've, you know, had the, the lack of oxygen headache and that can cause fatigue in itself. And so, you know, thinking about your well-being and the stress around you or if you have a loved one, absolutely. It's not just that learning has moved it's on. It's tough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough because, I mean, it's, it's not only that we're online, but also we're experiencing, you know, oh, there's a high fire warning tomorrow in Sonoma Valley. I'm, you know, am I even going to be able to have internet? Um, is there going to be a public safety power shut off of our power? Like, it, it's like you're, you're, you're trying to basically think four steps ahead just to attend one class. And I think that's ridiculous. Yes, Nick, absolutely right. So much stress. And even if you're not in Santa Rosa or the North Bay, um, Sarah is at Santa Clara University. She's experiencing the smoke. And all of us are in a context where there is a global pandemic happening. And even if we're not personally affected, the possibility of contracting the disease and potentially passing it on to a loved one um, is ever present in our minds, right? And so that low grade awareness and stress is also affecting, you know, and Nick, you said it great. It's not just that we've moved from in-person to online learning. There are global contexts that are also affecting us. And I think that's really important. Now you made another point that I want to talk about momentarily, but let me actually go to Emma and ask you if you'd like to share what you'd want to see from your instructors. Yeah. So actually to go off what Sarah and Nick said, well, I understand that it must be hard for professors not to be able to see their students. Like in one of my classes, no one turns their camera on and I feel sad for my professor because I know she wants to see her students. So I always turn it on, you know, but there's also the aspect of like, there's so many distractions going on anyways. And I just feel the same way as Nick does. Like when I go to class, you know, I'm not on my phone. I'm not distracted by what's going on around me and I can shut off the rest of the world and pay attention. And now it's like, it's so different. It's so hard to focus. It's so hard to be motivated. And I just, I just moved in with um, some family and <laughs> I'm trying to find my space. Like I'm actually using my dad's setup right now in the garage and 
it's this is nice there's no distractions but usually there's four people walking in and out of the room you know my dogs are around people are cooking and it's like it's just it's not the best learning environment like it's not what we're used to for focusing and I think most of my instructors are being like really understanding really supportive um, you know we're all in this together they're going through the same things that we are so that's been really helpful but I do agree with Actually, um, I do agree with you that it's like they're kind of piling on the work, you know, like there's just so many things to do. And I think a lot of my professors have been moving really rapidly through the material. And it's it's I feel like it would be nice if there was a little bit more time because of the change. You know, we're learning in a different way, in a new way. And it's just it's going really fast and it has been really difficult. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, and the idea of you know, just the other day I had a class and I am like kids welcome, dogs welcome. That is wonderful. Bring them on. I don't care about the noise, obviously. But one of my students was trying to respond to something and engage with the class and her dog was barking, which I don't care about. But she finally was like, I just can't think because the dog was barking and it's really hard to sort of get your bearings with that noise. So she needed to stop. And that's, of course, not ideal for her when she's trying to coalesce a thought and and engage with the class. And it's hard for you, the student and um, someone else I know, I'll try to keep this as anonymous as possible in a lower grade context. Um, one of their classmates was in class and their parents started arguing behind this this little child. And the child said to the teacher, oh no, my, my parents are arguing, what do I do? So bringing home life into the classroom can be a real, a real embarrassment, a real risk. And those things are, those things are present as well in this context. And so I appreciate you bringing it up. And, and not to mention seeing yourself all the time you know you can in zoom you can now turn off your own you can hide yourself but but in class we're not used to like staring at ourselves all day either and that's another added stressor or piece of our brain focused elsewhere emma i have a friend who's a she's a first year teacher during this and um she you know she has second graders on zoom so it's totally crazy experience um so she fills me in and um, one day she was telling me one of her students was um, climbing on her bunk bed, you know, in the background and and she was worried, you know, her student was going to fall down or something. And she's like, am I liable if something happens on Zoom? You know, it's just I just thought that was pretty funny. Like, that's so crazy. You know, like, are you responsible for your students in this sense when they're in their own homes. Oh, yeah, that is because how, you know, what do you do? Do you have the number of the parent? Do you yell? I mean, yeah, what is that's a question that has not been resolved. I had a question from another student. It's in a different context, but um, can the professor require um, you to turn your camera on while you're taking a test? Um, it, it can, can that be a requirement? And, and the, these issues, we haven't solved these issues yet. These issues of privacy, these issues of liability, these are open questions that that we're all grappling with. Nick? I know at least in my classes, my professors don't care if I eat or, or I have like a sip of water or something like that because, you know, I have a life, I'm here, it's around lunchtime right now. You know, they don't mind, but my brother who's just right there, his professors yell at them like, you shouldn't be eating, you shouldn't be drinking, you need to be paying attention, you need to have, you always have to have your, your screen on and all that. And that's just, that's crazy. I mean, I don't know what I would do if I was put in that situation on a, on a Zoom call for learning. That just, that turns me off to wanting to learn. I mean, I know in person classes, there are some professors that are like, you know, 
don't eat in the class, but you can like have like water or like soda or something or another, and that's fine. I, I mean, you were the same way. I I I believe like you can always have water in the class, but you know, this is home. This is different. This is my this is my space. This is my property. I pay for it, and I want to eat yeah, on it. Yes. <laughs> and it's just weird that there are some professors that are like, nope, can't do that. And I'm like, can you really tell me that? Can you actually say that I can't? Yeah, that's interesting. And, and the only reason, I mean, I I personally would be fine with food in the class. The only reason when you were in my in-person class is that there were computers around and the college said no. So I had to say no. <laughs> but but you're right. How far can we go to require? I, I think these questions are important and also very taxing on the students. Aisha. I was thinking the other day, McGill is historically like very um, lacking. Our administration is very not involved and they don't address a lot of issues on campus and in the broader community, um, which has always been an issue. And obviously students have always been upset about it. But the one good thing about that right now is that I'm in class. No one has to turn on their on their like video like you can. And sometimes when you're asking questions and there's participation elements or whatever than you're supposed to but there's definitely that element of like professors really can't control that and they know that because the school has taken a really lax and really like laid back stance that there's nothing they can do about it which is bad in some ways because it means that people who need extra support for the school like really have none and like had none before and now really have none but you know the I guess upsides you could say are things like that I also think about sometimes I'm glad I'm not in high school right now because I think I know like the high school I went to, like they would care a lot about this, whereas like none of my professors really, like they know they can't really do anything about it um, as much as they might want to. So I don't know, I think it was kind of interesting coming at it from a really like big school with a really like wacky administration. And there's definitely really negative aspects of that. And then some aspects that people are like a lot happier with honestly right now. And that's kind of an interesting switch for me. You're listening to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. We're talking about remote online learning with college students Nick Vitas and Emma Malloy of Santa Rosa JC, Aisha Glenn, San Francisco resident currently studying at McGill University in Canada, and Sarah Glasser at Santa Clara University. So let me ask you this. Uh, what do you think your instructors are doing well? What's been something like, oh, I'm so glad they're doing that, or this really works? Sarah? I think this is really unique to my professor, and also just speaking to Santa Clara as a whole, with Jesuit values in the small school environment. My professor, my photo professor, has been so accommodating. She's created photo kits for everyone, and she lives five minutes from campus. So usually the school would provide photo material because it's film photos, so you have to develop in the lab. But we don't have labs available to us now because we're all at our houses or off campus. So what she's done is she's created kits for everyone with developing liquids and stuff like that. And so we were all able to individually walk to her house and meet her social distance with a mask on. Um, which is really cool because everyone got to meet her one-on-one -on -one and got handed their kits. And so like taking classes from your own bedroom. But for me, I was literally walking to her house, seeing everything that she was doing. And she's been so helpful too. I also mentioned that I'm kind of on an RV right now. And honestly, the flexibility that my professors have offered has been great. I told my professor that I was going on an RV and she said, no worries, you can develop your film when you get back. And I had told her that, I would willingly bring my film kit on here to develop. And she said, no, not, like, don't, don't stress yourself out. Like, I know this is a tough time in life. And so that's been great. I think my professors have just found ways to get creative and 
let students, it depends obviously like what professor and some of my other professors have just been really bad at Zoom. Um, but one of my professors has found a great medium where she only meets once a month. So we have synchronous lessons once a month and then the rest of it is asynchronous discussions where you have to respond to different classmates for each post. So that's allowed me to meet new people, not exactly face to face, but just hearing people, different people's discussion ideas. Sarah, that's great that your professors have gotten so creative during this time. Nick, what about you? Santa Rosa's in the North Bay. It's been dealing with more than just the pandemic. I mean, there have been fires, evacuations, power shutoffs, and not just once. What's a professor doing well? I think what professors are, do- are doing well, at least in my classes, are just like casual icebreakers of just like, how's your day been so far? Just talk, like vent a little bit. I know you can't just like become a therapist or anything, but it's it's really nice when professors like start their day or start their class with how are you all doing? Like, be honest. How are you doing? Like, oh, my day sucks. Well, yeah, I think, I think the rest of ours are as, as well, but at least, you know, it's more of that community thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, just go around the room and just like really quickly, how's your day? Icebreaker, like what you have for breakfast or just something random like that's been really nice to just like, I don't know, just forget about other things for, for like a moment before you get into the class itself. Oh, that's awesome. I think honestly, the most, like the best week that I've had so far is when I actually did meet my professor in person and it was for the worst reason. I had to cover a fire. As an editor in chief of the Oakleaf, I had to cover a fire and I had to meet with people and it was weird. Like it was weird, but just so relieving to actually like see my professor and see my classmates and cover something together. I think that was the most rewarding week I've had for the worst reason. And it's just those little tidbits that kind of like keep you going. You know, there's something to be said for coming together in a crisis. Honestly, it's like sometimes crises can bring out good things. They can bring out the best in us. Uh, they can reveal. Um, and I think that's a, a good moment to illustrate that. Emma, what's an instructor doing well or that you're appreciating, if anything? One thing that was really helpful, I think, for the whole class um, on the Oakleaf, our professor kind of opened up a discussion about like a mental health check-in. And, you know, we all were feeling the same way. You know, how's everyone feeling? Is everyone feeling a little depressed, a little unable to focus? And we're all kind of on the same page. And I guess just to like acknowledge that and talk about that, it really, it really helped me. And then later on, I actually reached out to my professor and we had like an hour long Zoom and we just like talked and it was like, it just made me feel so much better because I've been feeling like, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to connect. It's hard to get things done right now. And just being honest and checking in about like how we're all really doing was just a really nice icebreaker for the group, I think. That's great. There is something so to be said for realizing you're not in it alone, for realizing or being shown or seeing that, oh, everybody else is having a similar experience. Or I'm so glad to hear that your professor had the presence of mind to do that and, and, and you were able to follow up. That's really great. And I think that was enlightening because I know this professor. It was enlightening for her, too. She had no idea. And, and I think a lot of us, you know, we want to make sure you're all OK, but we have really maybe no idea about what everybody's going through. And so it is helpful, as hard as it is, for it is helpful to hear from you all about about what you need, what you're going through. And of course, we need to make space for that as well. So I appreciate that. Aisha, how about you? I definitely agree with the, I guess, on the other end of it a little bit. I think McGill professors are definitely taking the 
choosing to not really engage with students about what's going on with them, um, both because a lot of professors teach a lot of classes with a lot of students. And, you know, when you're like flipping through multiple screens on Zoom, like 70, hundreds of students or whatever, I think that's kind of overwhelming for professors. And I kind of get why they don't do that. I think the thing that's been the most helpful and is kind of the one route that all professors are really making sure to take is like the one thing they have to do is just the flexibility with time zones, which to me personally doesn't have the big that big of an effect because before I was three hours behind, which like all my classes you don't have to go to anyway because so many people are really far away. And now I'm in this time zone anyway. Um, but I don't know, I think with everything except deadlines and assignments and assessments and things like that, professors are being really accommodating with people like coming to class and not coming to class, which I think is good. But I think it also means that I think people don't really feel very motivated to attend class, which means that professors don't know what their students need as much. Some of my professors do the thing where they'll like record a few lectures a week. Let's say it's a three, three times a week class. They record a Monday, Wednesday, and then Friday. The only one that's not asynchronous. And that's kind of nice. I think that that's helpful. Um, like, I think that makes a big difference for some people. I don't think it's a, for Miguel, I don't think it's the professors like know what students need and are just like, mm, no, like we're not going to do that. I think it's just they don't really know. So I think given the information they have, they're doing pretty well. And I think it's, it's kind of hard to get information from so many people. Um, so I don't really know what the solution to that is, honestly. No, it's true. And I think that's what we're all struggling with is what are these solutions to these things. And you make an excellent point. I think most of us get into teaching because we care so much about teaching. We care so much about our students and their well-being and giving our students what they need. And so, yeah, I, I would say for the most part, it's not um, willful it's definitely not aware, but wanting to be there. Um, and I appreciate that. And you also brought up a point. For me, one thing I've noticed is providing at least some structure. Like if I have a class that meets twice a week, I'm going to do half of that asynchronous, but I'm going to meet once a week because I'm getting the feedback that just having something on the calendar is desired. You know, like I know that every week I'm at this time I want to be here and I can have at least some sort of engagement or the students. So I've been doing that. Um, you know, just so that people don't fall off into the ether somewhere and I'm not aware of what they need. Oh, go ahead, Emma. At the beginning of the semester, um, I'm taking uh, one asynchronous class and one that meets only once a week while my other ones meet twice a week. And I was at first feeling like, oh, this is good. I don't have to go on Zoom. You know, that's already enough Zoom as it is. But now I've noticed as the semester's gone on, those classes have kind of dropped down on my priority list a little bit. And I'm noticing like seeing my peers and seeing my professor, it's, it's makes that more of a priority because it's like more real. Now I'm kind of feeling like I kind of wish I was, you know, not because one of my classes, I don't get to see anyone ever. I don't even know who's in my class, you know, and I've never really met my professor, you know? So I just think that's kind of interesting that as much as Zoom's a pain, at least there's some connection there. Aisha. I just want to say quickly, me too. This is definitely, I was thinking about that while you were saying that, like, most of my classes, I, I just don't go to. Like, I watch them later, but I, I have never gone live. So, like, I could tell you my professors, but that we've never spoken. I only know who's in the class because people have, like, Facebook groups or whatever. And it's weird. It, it doesn't make me want to do the work for the classes, which is bad because, obviously, I want to do well and I want to engage with that. And I know they're trying to be more flexible, not less. So I think that's kind of a weird, like, 
it should be encouraging me to engage more since I can do it whenever I want. But that almost kind of makes it harder for me because then, you know, lectures pile up or whatever it is and I just like don't get to it. It's true. It's like there's always a double-edged sword, you know. All right. So let me ask you this, just in general for you, is there anything you can think of that's been positive about this time that you want to share? And I can start by saying I've noticed that I'm, uh, you know, I'm more content than I thought I'd be. I'm an extrovert and I love seeing people. And But I find that um, I'm somewhat less overscheduled. And so I find like, oh, wow, I can sit, I can breathe. And that's, an, I mean, I have more work. So I'm, there's a little bit of a trade-off. But I, but I find that um, for me, uh, I, I'm getting a little bit of a, a breath from my my overscheduled life. Not that I want that to go on forever, but it's been a nice, a nice outcome of this moment for me. Does anybody have anything they want to share about a positive of this time? Sarah. There have definitely been some silver linings to all of this. I've been able to get closer to my parents, especially as an only child. It's been nice just spending more time with them. And I've also been able to get closer to my friends at home just because we've kind of created a pod. Um, when Corona first started, we all moved into a house together. And so I was able to spend more time with them and just get to know each other at a deeper level. And then also right now with classes, I decided to take my classes on the road. Um, my best friend from home decided to convert a school bus into an RV. And so for the past few weeks, I've been taking my classes on the road. Um, and because I have data and different cafes, I've just been able to take classes wherever I go, which has been really fun. Um, it's a great way for me to create my own schedule, something that works for me, but also allows me to have fun, especially since I don't get a lot of socializing because of quarantine and COVID. This has been a good way for me to get, just to get to know myself better and see different things, especially since I've always wanted to see more national parks and just get outside. You're listening to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. We're talking about remote online learning with college students Nick Vitas and Emma Malloy of Santa Rosa JC, Aisha Glenn, San Francisco resident currently studying at McGill University in Canada, and Sarah Glasser at Santa Clara University. Also with online school, you're able to create a schedule that better fits your needs. So since I know that I'm a morning person, I like to take my classes in the morning and then just have the afternoon free um, to work out or go on a walk or just do things that keep my mental health at a good level. Um, with online classes, not all of my classes are fully synchronous, so I'll take the asynchronous ones in the morning just to make sure that I have my afternoon free, and that's been really nice, just having a flexible schedule, and my teachers are really accommodating. Yeah, I would say that those are the most positive aspects of COVID. Sarah, that's amazing that you've gotten creative about how to attend your classes, and you've taken this opportunity to do something different, to get on a bus and, and see the outdoors. Emma. So it's kind of interesting because there's the, both sides of it, you know, but at the same time, you know, it can be distracting to be at home while you're doing work, but also I can eat breakfast while I'm in class. You know, it's just kind of little things like that. Like it is distracting, but I feel like it is in some ways a little more like freeing. Like I feel like I can do more what I want to do. And I don't know, I, I'm kind of um, a distracted person anyways. And it's sometimes hard for me to focus in class. So I've noticed like one of my classes is two hours long and I start to get like, like slow down so I can go and brew a pot, pot of coffee, you know, like there's just some perks to that in the home environment. Yeah, I can wear comfy clothes all day. I don't know. <laughs> like, I love that. Nick. I think <laughs> this is really selfish. I think the best part about it is I can wake up five minutes before class 
I can sleep in as much as I want and be ready to go in five minutes. It's totally true. That's really, that's a really bad, I think it's really bad, but yeah. And then it's already been said, but yeah, if I'm hungry, I can just walk 20 feet that way and grab something from the pantry and be fine. It's so freeing to not have to like go to like a cafeteria or go, go to like the, uh, a vending machine or whatever and have to like you know buy things on campus it's nope i have my food already right there i can just walk over i can put this on like the highest volume so i can still hear it as i'm walking out the hallway grabbing food and coming back oh i love that just the little things are pile up it's 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 good that's like the one like big reward of being home. I appreciate that. And I got to say in the spring when we went to emergency remote learning i had one student i was doing a class and her screen was kind of dark and I was doing roll and I called her name and she just raised her hand and like so she was laying in bed and that just made me laugh so hard I was just like okay I get that Aisha how about you similar to what you both said I go to all of my classes from my bed like in bed um like under a blanket like really in bed um which I think is nice it makes me a little lazy but I I, don't know, I think they're worse things I think the other cool thing about not I guess you'd say being able or having to go anywhere to class is that I definitely could be a lot better about this, but it forces me, like if I haven't eaten lunch or something, like I can't be like, well, I was too busy running around at class. Like I was just in, I was just in my room. Like I, it, it makes me have to pay attention more to things that I have to do every day that are like just kind of basic needs that I have. I think that's good. It's also made me be more involved than ever before which is kind of a blessing and a curse I think I'm weirdly more busy than I ever have been which is kind of nice I, I like it I think I'm more like over scheduled than usual but it's tricky because I do so many things like from my bed and I don't leave and I don't really do anything which I mean is just kind of how it is but I think and I think everything like people think everything is a pro and con like I like going to campus because it means I walk around and I actually like leave my room and exercise a little bit even just through walking but it's also nice that I don't have to and so I think everything is kind of like you could say something good about it and you could also say something bad about it but I definitely think the aspect of focusing more on my life as opposed to work can be bad sometimes but I think it's it's good for me personally. I don't know about academically, but I think it's good for me like as a person. I feel the same way. And I think it is important to focus on ourselves. And I think in the US, I know you're in Canada now, but you come from the Bay Area. I think we uh, especially, we forget to focus on ourselves. And, we, and, and this is a moment that's allowing us to be like, oh, yeah. Uh, me what do I need how can I yeah and I think that's actually really important it could be a good consequence or a good outcome of this moment in time we'll see is there anything you want to share that you think it's important for people to know about this and this can be just out into the world this can be something you wish you could get from your instructors what do you really want people to know about about your perspective for this time Sarah. Just learning to balance my life um, that's kind of vague but Especially as I'm entering my adult years, I think now is a critical point where I have to recognize my priorities and see what I want to do with my life. Um, and having all this free time in COVID has given me the time to evaluate things that make me happy, things that get me motivated. Um, so it's been really nice just sitting in my thoughts and developing additional hobbies. Yeah, as we talked about, times of crisis or change really can be an opportunity to reassess, to learn, to grow. Of course, when we're in crisis, it can be more difficult to be introspective, but I appreciate the point. Nick? 
I know it sucks that all of us students are in this environment and we're, we're all learning online, but I am 110% for doing this rather than catching the disease, the virus, and spreading it to others. This is, I would full heartedly do this all of next year if I had to. And I'd suck it up and do it because I don't want, I don't feel comfortable going back to school, period, if there's no vaccine or no valid uh, cure or treatment. And I know that us students are, or us younger people are, you know, less susceptible to this, uh, to COVID, but I do not want to step foot on campus until there is some type of vaccine or valid treatment option. So I'd much rather learn on Zoom than get that. That's fair. I think sometimes we lose sight of when when it feels like this is this is frustrating, we can lose sight of that. And Nick, I think you make a really important point. It's like there's a reason this is happening and that reason still exists. And and so really thinking about the choices that we do make and what we're willing to to bear during this time. Emma. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to say the same thing. I mean, I will probably remain with online learning as long as possible because I am slightly immunocompromised and I don't want to get sick, you know, and I live with my parents now and I don't want to get them sick. And as much as this, this is difficult, it's really smart. And, you know, we're seeing other countries that are doing better and we're, we're still, we're, we're not done with this at all. You know, we still have a long time to go and a lot of people aren't taking it seriously and we just have to power through and keep doing this because you know, we, we just need to. And just another thing, just we're all, we're all in this together. And just to any students that are struggling, like we're all struggling, you know, and I just feel like we should be reaching out to each other and understanding that we're all, you know, maybe a little depressed, a little bit having hard time focusing, like we're all in this together and we should all just kind of remain together. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Aisha. Yeah, definitely a similar thing. I think one of the things personally for me that's been so kind of weird, I guess, about coming back to Canada is that since like originally, I guess in March and April, Canada was really doing really fine. Like there are more people in California than all of Canada. And they were really wax about everything. Um, and so when I came back, like the attitude of everyone around here is really different. Um, and I, it really surprised me because obviously in the Bay Area, like, I don't want to say like people care more, but like people care more because it's like something you, you can see happening. Like it's a big deal and it, as it should be. Um, and so I think that was kind of interesting. And I think we're paying the price now. And like, it's like people I know, like it's like a lot of people in Montreal and like the McGill community have been really like affected recently by this because people just didn't really realize how careful they had to be. Um, even people like pretty close to me. And I think it's like, it's funny because I think people care a lot, but I think some, like sometimes people just don't know why they need to care. And that's been kind of interesting, but I think what's really, yeah, like you both said, like I, I could do this forever. Like, it's not that fun. The online learning is not that fun. I don't think it's super conducive to how everyone learns, but like, if it means that I'm not getting sick or getting people that I care about sick, like, I, I don't know, I think that's a pretty easy, I know a lot of people, oddly don't agree um and yeah I think again what you both said that everyone is in a really different circumstances maybe they're like even just geographically like where they are like who they're living with or but I think we are all in it together and I think like yeah I think that's kind of it's nice and it's the idea that 
you know, anyone you reach out to right now or anyone in classes or friends or whatever, like everyone's really going through the same thing, even if they're going through it in different ways, which is both scary and not good. But also, I don't know, I think it's kind of a, a thing that, I mean, ideally brings us more together than apart if we like really pay attention to it and like make conscious efforts to kind of engage with each other which is hard I guess like it's hard especially if it's like you're all doing it on a computer and like I know like Sarah was saying earlier like I, my eyes hurt all the time that's not like it's we're way past the like oh I'm gonna put on my glasses like it's just it's just where we are but I don't know I think there are definitely good elements that come out of it with just like connecting with other people and the idea that because by being careful about everything it's because you care about people around you right so I feel like that's a really cool element of like it really helps me see at least like who in my life is really important you know people around the world around the U.S. around California like everyone is really doing so many things to look out for each other which I think is really cool and I think it's really easy to forget that and feel really isolated and I feel really isolated all the time like oh like everyone is doing something different like I'm the only person like it's just very like this like my life is here and everyone else's life is over there and everyone's just kind of doing their own thing but like I don't know I feel like more than ever the opposite is true yeah I think you brought up a good point there it's like this is we have an opportunity this is a moment where we can come together where we can remember to care and why we're doing it yeah we are doing this because we care about each other right I don't want to get anybody sick and we have to be deliberate and explicit about that so that we don't lose sight of it. And I think everything you all have said shows me that you're all very aware of that. And, and that just, you know, really makes my heart feel great. Um, and, and it is hard, but it is, it is a necessary thing right now. Um, and that there are ways we can make connections and, and, and do good and find positives in this moment while we deal with it. Nick, what did you want to add? I think what's really important right now, especially for us North Bay folk, <laughs> is that we, you know, it's being brought to light again that mental health is important. Mental health is very important. And I feel like we need more access to it now more than ever here in, here in the North Bay entirely. I mean, we, we as North Bay residents have gone through just so much in the past three years that, I mean, I, I just feel like there should be more access to it for us students, for parents, for everyone. Yeah. And that's a great message for the people who are able to make those systemic decisions. So I appreciate you just calling it out. Emma, anything you want to add? Going off what Nick was saying. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, that we should really be acknowledging the mental health aspect because every student, every friend, professor that I've checked in with, we're all feeling this way. Like, you know, like I'm okay, but I'm not that okay, you know? And I think that this is kind of bringing the importance to our society, like the, you know, like just recognizing that. And I think that people should be taking into consideration, professors should be just like talking about it. And to anyone listening, like if you feel like you can't talk about it because I know it's kind of like taboo or whatever, but we're all struggling. And I think that it's important that people know that they can talk about it and reach out to each other. Thank you. That's a great way to end. Um, and I just want to just express my sincere thanks that you took time out of your day for this. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you Thank you to my guests. Sarah Glasser, a junior at Santa Clara University, majoring in sociology with a minor in ethnic studies. 
Aisha Glenn, a San Francisco resident who's now a junior at McGill University in Canada, majoring in labor relations with a double minor in sociology and health geography. Emma Malloy, currently studying communications at Santa Rosa Junior College, but considering changing her major to journalism. She's currently a staff writer for the SRJC Oakleaf newspaper. And Nick Vitas, majoring in journalism and political science at Santa Rosa JC, and currently editor-in-chief of the Oakleaf. My panelists brought up an important point about how critical it is to care for both our physical and mental health. If you need help, need a connection, or find yourself feeling depressed, isolated, overwhelmed, anxious, detached, or unable to focus or engage, please reach out for help. Your college has mental health resources that you can take advantage of, or you can call these numbers. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK, that's 1-800-273-TALK, or suicidepreventionlifeline.org slash chat. The Substance Abuse and Mental Services Association Helpline at 800-662-HELP, or the Mental Health America Hotline by texting MHA to 741-741. You can also find more resources at psychguides.com and healthyplace.com. And I will post all of these on my website, newsincontext.net. Music in this episode includes Spring Fling by Track Tribe and The Heist by Silent Partner. In addition to hearing News in Context every Friday at 8.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on KSFP 102.5 in San Francisco, you can hear it on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, and PRX. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at News in Context SF and on Instagram at News in Context. And you can find links to all of that at newsincontext.net. I'm Gina Valeria. Thank you for listening.